Shaken, everybody. You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by Connor of the Pasture, Christian of the Mountains, and Thomas of the Woodland Pond. <laughs> they are very poetic tonight. Holy cow. <laughs> yes. Harp noises. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it maybe makes sense that we're feeling poetic and descriptive based on the campaign that we've got put together for you because both of the source materials that we are drawing from are very descriptive. The combinations that we're going to go with tonight is Mistborn meets Redwall, two wonderful and amazing book series that have very much captured my attention. Mistborn was suggested by Caldic Steelskin on Twitter, and Redwall was suggested by Creative Valentine on Instagram. We also have a lot of aspect suggestions from Caldic Steelskin. Been doing a really good job of pumping those out. Yes. In fact, we have a very good batch of audience aspect suggestions because turns out when you let people know before you start recording it what you're going to be recording, <laughs> they know what kind of suggestions to give you. So we're probably going to keep doing that moving forward. We, we, we got there. We figured it out. Yeah, we did. In addition, we also have aspect suggestions from Mitchell Braska on Facebook, Ember Glow Treasures on Instagram, Clayton Forbush on Instagram, and Michael K. Sear on Twitter, which also Michael Sear, personal friend of the show, also an absolute rock star on giving us those aspect suggestions. Oh, yeah. You'll love yes. to see it. That's... Mm-hmm. So now that we know what our campaign is going to be, we're going to start out with our ideation as always. We're going to tell some real stories from our real lives that will help to inform what we tell in the story here. So I will start us off. Now, to get this out of the way right off the beginning, I am going to come clean and say that I am not nearly as big of a Brandon Sanderson fan as anybody else who is in this campaign currently. There's still time to repent. <laughs> yes. Admittedly, the only books that I have read of his are the first book of the Mistborn series and half of the second book. Not to say that I didn't really enjoy the second book, it's just that was when I started watching Critical Role, and you know what happens when you reach that point. It's a very slippery slope. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, so... One day I will return to the series, but like I said, that is not in any way to disparage the series. They are phenomenal books. There's a certain major pivotal turning point in the first book that I'm not going to spoil, but as soon as I got to that point in the book, I looked at the clock and was like, well, it's midnight. Guess I'm staying up till 4 a.m. finishing this book. And that's what I did. And anybody who's read Sanderson knows <laughs> that that is typical of every Sanderson book. There's all, there's that point. The Sanderlanch. Yes. Yeah, we call it the Sanderlanch. It's that classic <laughs> meme where I don't need sleep, I need answers. Mm-hmm. So I will let my friends perhaps wax a bit more poetical about Mistborn and the works of Brandon Sanderson, while I will wax poetical about the works of Brian Jakes, the author who made me fall in love with reading. My introduction to Redwall was through the animated show. It only ever played on Sunday mornings on PBS when I was growing up, and it was the one non-church-related show that my parents would let us watch on Sundays. That's awesome. <laughs> and from there, I started getting into the books. It was in, I want to say, third or fourth grade that I started reading the books in earnest. 
and they captured my attention like nothing I had seen to that point. And as I look back now at my like mode of storytelling and the way that I like to just paint a world, I can see a lot of that influence in there. I tend to use a lot of very kind of flowery descriptions. I mean, you're listening to me talk right now. You hear some of the pretentious vocabulary that's coming out of my <laughs> mouth at the moment. But not only in terms of like the descriptions and also like my love for woodland critters and stuff, but also my love of putting food in pretty much any story I tell. That's something you see a lot in the books of Brian Jakes. He'll just describe these massive sweeping feasts. He'll spend pages and pages talking about all of the, the nut breads and the massive creams and cakes and all of this other stuff. So very good books for a young person to read to start activating their descriptive mind. I highly recommend those. Yeah, it's just a great book series. We're actually going to be reading Redwall next in the book club that I'm part of. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited to get back into the series of my youth. And I think that's about going to do it for me. Let's turn it over to Connor. Yes, hi, it's me. Um, so the weirdest thing is I didn't read any Brandon Sanderson whatsoever before 2020. I first heard of this dork uh, while I was working on Midsummer Night's Dream with Christian and then Thomas, you weren't in it, but your wife was. Mm -hmm, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that was when I first heard tell of uh, this prolific author who we mentioned so much on the show. Uh, it was Christian and our friend Megan talking mad game about him and I was like, <laughs> college and reading i don't have time for that so i waited until i finished and um <laughs> dived right in and here we are in 2022 and he's by far my favorite author i've read everything that is in his cosmere universe and a handful of his other stuff big fan but Mistborn specifically is one that I was just so captivated by the baseline idea. I had first really heard a bit about this in uh, one of Brandon's YouTube videos where he talked about where the idea came from. I'm, I'm gonna TLDR it, but essentially he said, he, he imagined the story of something like Lord of the Rings, but what if the bad guy won, right? And that idea to me was just such a hook, line, and sinker. I was so captivated by the idea of, you know, what if we have a story that takes place after the world is ended or after the villain has, has won. So that is just something I've always appreciated about the series and the places it goes. I, I, I know we're going to avoid spoilers of the series in this session, but uh, just in revisiting the magic system and some ideas for this, it's uh, I couldn't help but think of how wonderful it is to have such a bleak setting. <laughs> <laughs> Which we are going to pair with the bright sunshine and beautiful picturesque countrysides yes! of Redwall. <laughs> Childhood wonderment and mice adventures. <laughs> and food. And food. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the magic system, it, it might be beneficial uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with either of these <laughs> intellectual properties if we kind of explain <laughs> yeah, good luck. a little bit of the premise about these stories so you're not completely lost. Uh, Redwall is pretty straightforward. It's kind of Arthurian legend meets cute woodland critters. You've got the good animals, you've got the mice and the moles and the badgers and the squirrels and all that. And you've got the bad critters, the rats and the ferrets and the weasels and all that stuff. 
you've got them in conflict with each other. So it brings a nice sort of lighthearted childishness to this nature versus nature conflict. Then in terms of Mistborn, there's a lot going on there, but uh, probably the most important thing to know is the magic system, which is called Allomancy, or at least the sort of predominant magic system in Mistborn is called Allomancy. The idea being that there are certain individuals known as Mistings who, when they ingest certain metals, they can quote-unquote burn those metals and use them to create magical effects such as somebody who can burn pewter, it makes them a lot more formidable. Uh, they call them thugs. They can punch really hard. They can take really big hits. Somebody who can burn bronze is a seeker, and they can see other people who can burn metals as well. So that's the basic premise of the magic system. Uh, anything else that I missed that you guys would like to fill in there? That's a pretty sweet baseline. Yeah. I'm sure we'll explore different things as we go, but that's about it. Yeah, I think if anything else comes up specific for the story, we can take a beat to clarify it. You know, we might need a crunch squad for this campaign alone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to our sister podcast, I Cast Fireball, where a ridiculously handsome and attractive man hosts Crunch Squad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now that we've got kind of that baseline taken care of, Christian. Anything that you would like to share with us? Um, I also feel like I probably awoke to my love of reading through Redwall early on. I was a voracious reader. Was definitely one of those kids who would hide under the blankets with a flashlight or something to read late into the night when I should be sleeping. But Redwall to me is so tied to that youth and innocence and magical wonder that I just don't think we find a lot in other IPs. As far as Brandon Sanderson goes, I have been a longtime reader and big, big fan. I actually was introduced to it pretty, um, I got pretty lucky. I was happened to be sitting outside of an office waiting for a meeting and the person's secretary actually was just chatting with me, passing the time, you know, just before the meeting. And I mentioned, you know, oh, I like to read and such. And they were like, have you heard of this author, Brandon Sanderson? And I was like, um, yeah, actually, a buddy of mine was talking about him, but I never read anything, you know, probably one day I will. And he was like, sit right here. And he got up and he left and he went out to his car and he came back and he handed me a copy of The Way of Kings, oh. uh, the first book in the Storm of the Archive. It was, a, it was a paperback copy. It was all beat up. It was obviously well read and treasured. And he was like, I want you to have this. And I was, are you sure? It's just, I mean, this is your book. He's like, I've got like a hard copy and I'm, I'm ordering a leather bound copy soon. It's going to be really that. I'm like, okay, I guess if you like it that much to have three copies, I'll give it a shot. And I never really looked back. I mean, I read that one in a few days and then I immediately Whoa. picked up Elantris and then Warbreaker. And then I just, I kept right on going, devoured the whole thing. As far as specifically Mistborn goes though, I think I'm in the same kind of boat as Connor where it just, the whole concept is so fun. Taking a classic tried and true sort of fantasy trope, flipping it on its head, and then just the freshness of the magic system sprinkled in there. Big fan of hard magic systems with these, where it almost feels more like science than magic sometimes with how rigid some of the rules are and how specific everything is. And yeah, that image of the really, really well-worn copy of the book is taking me back to my middle school days. Like when, as soon as I was done with homework, I'd pull out my book and start reading. As soon as I got on the bus to ride home, I'd pull out the book and those books would just get thrashed going in and out of my backpack. Oh, those were good days. Those yeah. were simpler days. Yeah. <laughs> well, the only one we have left is Thomas, which you got for us. 
Well, I didn't grow up reading Redwall, and uh, all of you mentioned how Redwall kind of inspired your love of reading as a child. And uh, to be honest, I actually hated reading so much. I <laughs> don't know if it was like my lack of attention or I just couldn't visualize it. I would remember reading like 20 pages and being like, what the heck did I just read? <laughs> and this would be anything, anything I read, textbooks. So I did terrible in school unless I could memorize it. And it wasn't until I actually discovered Brandon Sanderson that I was like, ah, I get what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and I was pretty lucky. I found, I discovered Sanderson back in 2010. Uh, oh, wow. After he had just released Warbreaker. Yes. Yeah, he just, he did Elantris. He did the full uh, Mistborn trilogy and Warbreaker just come out. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I was so poor and so unemployed that <laughs> I would go to the local bookstore at BYU, Idaho. And I would sit in their bookstore for six hours and read <laughs> each of his books. And then I'd come back the next day and I would read in the book because I didn't buy it, right? So um, <laughs> when I could have gone to the library probably, but it was always checked out and it still is always checked out. My wife has tried to like get audio versions of them that you can like check out from the library. Always gone. Always like a 20 person wait list and stuff. So, I mean, Sanderson really helped me discover what reading and what literature actually could do and what it could evoke in my mind and my heart. Sanderson was probably the first first other than religious texts before it was the first book that i had actually wept to and started crying when i finished the last book in the mistborn trilogy i oh. literally was weeping oh. you don't cry you don't have a soul that uh, yeah. that ending <laughs> and uh and it was just such a transformative experience to like truly see what literature could do what storytelling could do um which probably explains my current trajectory wanting to tell stories on a podcast <laughs> to try to share a little semblance of that emotion and of what I had discovered way back when. Man, that gives me good feelings hearing that story. It was actually Thomas. You were the one who introduced me to Miss Bourne as well. Just want to thank you for that publicly. Ned, I'm seeing a little bit of a pattern. Ah, uh, yes. If if I'm ever to be blamed for how big of a geek I am, we know where the blame lands. <laughs> Well, now that we've got our ideation taken care of, let's start talking about the world that we are going to be inhabiting. Yes. So we've already talked about kind of the two ends of the spectrum almost that Mistborn and Redwall cover. Mistborn is a very industrial, urban, and dark and gritty sort of story. Whereas Redwall, they're out in these beautiful sunlit fields and forests and streams and seas and whatnot. So I think maybe this is a good opportunity to like make that a center of conflict almost. This picturesque and almost utopian forest woodland has been transformed by the mists that have come in. Mm. It is now a dark and unpleasant place. And maybe that's kind of our central conflict is trying to figure out why. Very nice. I dig it. I like that. Now, another idea that I want to just throw out right here at the beginning uh, this is an idea suggestion from McKenna, friend of the show, member of the show. <laughs> the idea is, what if instead of its metals that they're burning, it's like different types of cheese? <laughs> Ned gets to show off his cheese knowledge as well. It's so good. <laughs> well, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if we were just to approach it of this red wall-esque, why would these critters ingest metals? <laughs> so rather than burning metal, we're melting cheese. <laughs> yeah. Melting cheese. 
protein. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's so they're either eating it and devouring it that way or, um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And, you know, like the different metals that are used for allomancy. I mean, you've got like copper, brass. These are valuable metals. Oh, yeah. If you're ingesting this, then you're basically burning money inside of your stomach. And you know how mice are about cheese. I mean, that's like gold to them. Mm. It helps that a lot in there in this society, whatever happens to make cheese that much more valuable. And some cheese is not easy to make. I know Ned's the connoisseur here, but mm-hmm. take quite a while. A lot of, lot of time, a lot of attention. A lot of dairy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this might be a problem for Connor. I'm lactose intolerant here, so I'm a little bit out of my expertise, but uh, we're, we'll dive in headfirst anyway. All right. So this is kind of our baseline here, but another thing that I might suggest just right at the beginning for the setting, uh, Redwall, the book is named after Redwall Abbey, which is this beautiful sort of bastion of hope in the middle of the forest. So I think it'd be nice if maybe we have like a home base for you guys. You are in this abbey of your own. Uh, We probably can't call it Redwall for, (laughs) you know, intellectual property reasons. Copyright. And Green Bastion is already taken by Let's Make a Music, which is another one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> so what should we call the abbey that you guys live at? The Breezeway, might I recommend? There's a subtle nod to Breeze, the oh, character. Oh, okay. I like it. Okay, yeah, we'll go with that. So you're all tenants of the Breezeway, the beautiful abbey, the bastion of hope and light within the middle of this misty wood. So let's go around then and start getting our characters figured out. Let's start us with Connor. You got any ideas for us? Yes, I do. Um, I'm going to go with the name Shrew the Wasteful. (laughs) I don't know what sort of cheese we are equating to gold in this, but I would like the idea I'd like to go with is, is my character can burn gold or I don't know, melt whatever cheese we have associated here. <laughs> and it's a relatively useless power without giving too much away. You uh, envision a couple different versions of yourself. So my idea here is with excessive use, it goes beyond just envisioning these characters, but communicating with these other versions of myself. I this is going to be fun. That's the idea. But again, I want to make clear that whatever gold is it's a very valuable cheese it is so what i'm going to assign as our equivalent of gold is a type of cheese known as kasumatsu here's the shtick with kasumatsu Uh, it's illegal in the united states very (laughs) difficult to come by the reason why it's illegal is because after it's been aging for a while you take off the top you let flies lay their eggs into it and then you let the maggots go in there and start doing their little sort of biological fermentation magic with this cheese. That's why it's illegal in the United States because the CDC can't control that. Because it's evil. That's a bioweapon. Yeah. Cool. And that is what you get to burn cool. to talk to different versions of yourself. Okay. Uh... Katsumatsu? Katsumatsu. It is Sardinian. There it is. I've added it to our board for Connor. Disgusting fly cheese. <laughs> yes. I'm writing that next to my high concept, Kasumartsu, just to say um, my high concept will be let me phone a friend. Oh, uh-huh. nice. Ah, clever. I'm a fan. So your name being Shrew the Wasteful, would it be maybe too presumptuous of me to guess that you are going to be a shrew? No, I think that's right on the money. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, shrews are lots of fun in the Redwall universe. You know, they're small, but they make up for it with their vigor and viciousness. Yep, Mm. and they're funny looking. (laughs) Yeah, they are. So Shrew the Wasteful, high concept aspect, let me phone a friend. 
Now, what is something that gets Shrew the Wasteful in trouble on occasion? I've developed a little bit of a reliance mm. on this. Uh, in deep terminology, one might say I am a Kasumatsu savant. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, clever. Which means I've developed a very uh, literal borderline addiction to this cheese. Uh, it, it heightens my abilities, but also it's very expensive. And I got to do what I got to do to get my cheese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say my trouble is cheese don't grow on trees. Oh That's my a great God. trouble. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm already such a huge fan. I also love the implications of what Shrew the Wasteful is getting into to try and get his hands on this incredibly <laughs> rare and expensive cheese. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Now we get to your audience suggested aspect. Yeah. Like I said, uh, so glad for all of the suggestions that we got from our audience this time around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. XOXO. You the real heroes here. So these are the aspects that you're going to get to choose from. Honor bound to snoop around. My home is the mists. And this one, not so much a direct suggestion as it is a prompt, but a trait that counters the tropes associated with your creature. Ooh. So like, instead of having a wise owl, it would be a stupid owl. Or instead of having like a sneaky fox, it would be a clumsy fox, that kind of thing. Okay. Oh, that, those are all good. Those are all good. Thank you to our audience. I'm going to say honor bound to snoop around. Yeah. Just a little heads up. If you give us a suggestion that rhymes, we're probably going to pick it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't <laughs> not. It's it's just too verbose in the best ways. Honor bound to snoop around. All right. Oh, I love that aspect for this character so much because it just solidifies so much all of the assumptions that I've been making about him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Such a clear, strong character already. Oh, yeah. So I am, uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go sneaky on the approach. What? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> Absurd. And uh, my stunt, I'm going to call it full flare. And the idea is that I will completely hand off control to another one of my selves. Mm. Yeah. If if I recall correctly, the concept of flaring a metal in Mistborn is like you instantly just burn all of the metal that you have left. Yes. And it's a super powerful effect for a very short amount of time. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's pungent as this effect can be, and the result is passing off my bod to one of the other possibilities of myself. I know that sounds a little weird, but we'll see. I think it'll come up in a fun way. I'm excited to see the twist you put on this. We got some Moon Knight vibes going on with this guy, too. Th this, mm -hmm. th definitely yeah. the, uh, the stunt was very very inspired by that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So there's Shrew the Wasteful. Woo! Next, let's go over to Christian. What you got for us? Um, as far as names go, I think I've got one. Bartholomew the Keen. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go by Barty, though, I think. And I would like to use whatever the equivalent of Tin is. Yeah, so what Tin does for us in the Mistborn universe is it increases your sensitivity of the five senses. You burn your tin and suddenly you can see sharper, you can hear clearer, etc., etc. So it definitely fits with your title, Bartholomew the Keen. I am going to go with Stilton for this cheese. It has a very strong aroma, and I think that fits in well with the strength of your sniffer that you're going to get when you burn Stilton. Very cool. Yes, this is an English cheese, very similar to blue cheese, just smelly, smelly stuff. Now, uh, a little problem with your name here, I don't know what kind of animal you are. Yes, um, I wanted to choose something that I thought would highlight the powers of this, so I'm going to choose a mole. Nice. Mm -hmm. And if I recall from Redwall, 
Well, I suppose that character was rather hard of hearing because he was old, but I think I might be a little hard of hearing as well, so... <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of a trope with the moles in general in Redwall is they can smell great, but they're underground all the time, so they can't see very well, and, you know, some of them can't hear very well. So when you burn your tin, or your stilton in this case, you're going to be able to, like, smell amazing, but you'll be able to just see like a normal person. <laughs> I can see all the way across the street. I have superpowers. <laughs> so Bartholomew you the keen our molten eye as it were what is going to be your high concept aspect for this character i believe i will call this the mole among us <laughs> Ooh, that's a pretty loaded statement i am a fantastic master of espionage I infiltrate the groups. I can play, you know, if I burn my tin, I can walk around as if I am a mouse or something if I wear the proper disguises because I can walk around and see and hear just as well as they can. So <laughs> dig it. I dig it as well. Oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. Boo, boo this man. You're going to regret having me on this podcast again. Minus nine fate points. <laughs> Next, we're going to look at your trouble. What's something that gets Bartholomew the Keen in trouble? Basically, whenever I'm not burning Stilton, I'm more or less blind and deaf. Mm. So unless I've got a bit of tin going, I'm going to mishear things and I'm going to either not see things that are there or I'm going to start, you know, seeing things that aren't there. Cool. Oh, man, we got one person seeing different versions of himself. We got one person seeing just goodness knows what with his horrible eyesight. Quite the motley crew we got going so far. Yeah. Now we get to your audience suggested aspect. Here are the suggestions that you're going to get to choose from. Noble to the tail, by small and simple things, or I can hear your baggage from here. I really feel like I only have one choice. <laughs> I'm going to go with I can hear your baggage from here. Yeah. He's also going to be that sympathetic ear when, when you're going through something. He's going to be really good at spotting that person's got trouble. I can use that to get into the group. Keen not just to the physical goings-on, but keen to the emotional goings-on as well. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And now with all this in mind, what is your peak approach going to be? I'm going to go with clever as my plus three approach. Um, this is one of those times when I crave that distinction that we get in D&D 5e between intelligence and wisdom, mm -hmm. because uh, I think he will be quite intelligent. It's his wisdom that may be lacking. Gotcha. Good to know. Now, the only thing we need left for Bartholomew is a stunt or a piece of equipment. Anything you got in mind? I think I'm going to go and lean a little bit more into that mole among us idea. I'm going to give myself an item. I'm going to give myself a disguise kit that I can use mm. when I really need to. I can quickly whip up a perfect disguise and get into the situation I need to. Beautiful. So let's go to our third character with Thomas. What you got in mind for us? Well, again, I haven't read any Redwall, so we'll see if this fits, but I want to call my character Ellis the Mystic. Ooh. Ellis will be a female, and I'm going to make her an otter. So this actually works out really nice, even though you don't know the lore as well, but the positions of power in otter society are often given to the women instead of the men. Ah, had an intuition about it, I suppose. <laughs> Indeed. We're all in the same brainwave tonight. So what is going to be our high concept aspect for Ellis the Mystic? I really liked one from earlier, so I'm going to change it. This is one of the audience ones. I'm going to say, instead of I talk to the trees, I talk to the mists. Mm. The mystic. I get it. Ah. Oh, boy. Yeah, just like the idea of like really incorporating the mists now that they've come into the forest and um, reacting poorly or positively with some of these critters here and 
I talk to the mists being my high concept here. Very interesting. So do you have an allomantic connection that you're hoping to make with this ability? I do have an allomantic connection. I don't know if it's quite related to this high concept though, but I would like to be a soother. So with brass. Yeah, the idea with a soother being that you can literally just soothe the emotions of the people around you. Yeah, and you can choose specific emotions if you are powerful enough. Very nice. So our equivalent then of brass that I'm going to go with is Swiss, mostly because that is a very common fondue cheese. And fondue is a very warm and soothing kind of cheese eating experience. Excellent. I'm really enjoying the thought and care that goes into the choice of each cheese to represent these metals. (laughs) This is who I am. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but when I was in eighth grade, there was one class where like the only name that my classmates knew me by was Cheese Man. Have I told that story to you guys before? No. That rules. The Cheese Man will hook you up. The Cheese Man cometh. (laughs) Yeah, it was U.S. history with Mrs. Hodge, we were introducing ourselves at the beginning of the new class, and I got up and I was like, hi, I like cheese. And the teacher was like, oh my gosh, have you been to the Tillamook Cheese Factory in Oregon? And I was like, no, but that's my favorite brand. And we just like talk about cheese for a solid minute or two, and then eventually she was like, oh, I need to get to know everybody else, sorry. (laughs) And so everybody just called me Cheese Man. (laughs) My mom went to parent-teacher conference and said, I'm here to talk about Brayden which our audience may not know is actually my real name. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Man, I have layers upon layers of nicknames, don't I? Um, but yeah, teacher didn't even know who she was talking about. Eventually, the teacher was like, oh, you mean Cheese Man. <laughs> anyway, that is a complete tangent. Ellis the Mystic, a soother. You talk to the mists. Mm-hmm. What's something that gets our otter friend in trouble every once in a while? I would say she's a little too superstitious at times. She maybe sees too much in the mists or... She, she makes irrational decisions based off of seemingly unconnected events. Interesting. So you have this ability. Actually, that's something that we might want to talk about. Since the mists are a recent occurrence here in the forest, how new are the powers that you guys have? Mm. Like, did they just show up with the mists? Or did you have them before? I would say they showed up with the mists, Mm -hmm. which could be a good impetus or uh, inciting moment for our adventure here. Yeah. Because everything's new. It's like within the year or a month or whatever, you know, and there could be a lot to try to handle or situate. Yeah. So I think that also fits in very well in terms of like these visions that are coming to you in the mists are very, very new and very confusing. So you don't necessarily know very well how to connect what you're seeing with the meaning that the mist has for them mm-hmm. yes so i think <laughs> i think a good name for this trouble would be mist take <laughs> <laughs> that's good your entire character is a pun and i love it that's brilliant <laughs> mist take ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between you're in for an exciting time this campaign <laughs> now we get to your audience suggested aspect mm-hmm. what you get to choose from are fight with a sword or fight with nothing why can't i burn carrots <laughs> or the cheese stands alone so i am the cheese 
<laughs> Love the literary reference, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's a great literary reference. I think I'll have to do The Cheese Stands Alone. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not only is that great, but I really think that helps flesh out Ellis the Mystic a lot, especially mm-hmm. if she's one of the only ones receiving visions. Yeah, it seems like maybe Ellis is kind of a recluse or a social outcast mm-hmm. because of like these weird visions that she's having. Or maybe a recent a social outcast or whatever. Mm. So with all this in mind, what do you think is going to be a good peak approach for Ellis? I think she's going to have to be flashy when it comes to the mists and when it comes to her soothing and maybe her previous life. I think she was more flashy than what has recently occurred to her through the mists and through this transformation she's had to go through. And I'm almost getting visions as well of like when you receive your visions, it's like the eyes light up kind of experience. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought too. Like it's almost performance like, but she's not evoking it at least willingly. Yeah, what that ends up being a Trelawney-esque he comes tonight (laughs) or or maybe something a little more subtle. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll leave that up to you. (laughs) Now the last thing that we need for Ellis is your stunt or piece of equipment. You got anything in mind? I like this idea of her, this all being very recent because previously I would have liked to think that she would have been like a, a strong pillar in her community. Maybe not strictly with the otters, but at least with other species and other inhabitants. Um, She just has this sort of natural knack to help people that she's had to put away recently to become this recent recluse, you know? So she does have these like dual lives that she's had that quickly turned to 180 of being very social and helpful to now where she's currently at. Mm. In terms of how we can stuntify this. I have no idea. (laughs) My brain goes straight to, again, I love D&D guys. There are certain character backgrounds where, like, you can always find a place to stay for the night. Like, you can get discounts on things just naturally because of... Folk hero. Yeah, like a folk hero kind of a thing. So that might be a kind of thing where, in terms of, like, once per session, you can find somebody who recognizes who you used to be and sees that kind of regality within you. Yes, Mm. I think that's a good one. Like, I remember who you used to be, and it's sad who you are now, but Mm. I'll honor your previous self by helping or housing or aiding in some small way. Yeah, and I think the title, I Remember Who You Used To Be, is pretty poignant. That's cool. Not to go too far off on a third thing, but (laughs) for some reason, our little crew we have here is reminding me from the Studio Ghibli movie, Castle in the Sky. There's that like mom pirate and all of her sons. (laughs) Yes, and Mandy Patinkin voice is one of them. Yes. That's so good. Oh man, Castle in the Sky is probably my favorite Ghibli movie (sighs) actually. It's a home run. Just the idea of this like otter sort of taking care of all of these wayward kids getting into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, there's our three characters. Shrew the Wasteful, our Kasumatsu burning sneaky man. Bartholomew the Keen, our mostly blind and deaf mole friend who is good at infiltrating stuff. And Ellis the Mystic, our recently outcast otter who can speak to the mists themselves. So, with these new characters in hand, let's go ahead and enter into the world of Mysporn for a moment. As many Redwall books begin, we find ourselves at the beginning of a mighty feast in the Breezeway. Except this is not a feast as most of the inhabitants are used to. 
you look across this vast table in the Great Hall, and you see all of these finely polished platters and trays, but where once they were full of giant mounds of nature's bounty, you see that there are only a few piecemeal offerings that have been brought together for the entire residency of the Abbey. You can see where once there might be a plate piled high with candied fruits and nuts. Instead, there are but a few nuts with the shells still on and a little cracker next to it. In one place where you might have found a large trout from the Abbey Pond, instead there is a little tin of sardines that somebody managed to bring back from a trip abroad. Instead of the massive rows of crusty loaves, you find instead a few humble stacks of pancakes cakes, though somebody did manage to scrounge up some honey to pour over the top of them. So it is kind of a somber moment here in the breezeway, thinking about how things have changed since the mists arrived, how stuff just hasn't grown as well as it used to, how the earth is no longer giving up her bounty as much as she once did. And as you are all looking around here, still feeling the warmth of the love of your friends and family that you have around you, the abbot stands up at the head of the table, pulls up a little goblet and a wooden spoon, and kind of strikes it to gain everybody's attention. And the abbot, we will call him Abbot... Trying to think of a name that hasn't already been used. Abbot the Rabbit. <laughs> Abbot the Rabbit. Actually, you know what? We'll, we'll call him Abbot Lepus the Rabbit. <laughs> ah, yeah. I don't think there actually has been a rabbit or a hare as an abbot of Redwall before, so Ooh. I like this representation that we're getting here. Yeah, diversity. <laughs> Let's go. Abbot Lepus the Rabbit stands up, bangs his wooden spoon against the goblet, and speaks to the crowd and says... My friends, though it is under somewhat more frugal circumstances that we gather than we are accustomed to, I am still encouraged by the light and the fire which I see in all of your eyes. And though the mists have taken much from us, they have granted us much in return. New powers and new abilities that we can use to increase and improve our skills and the lives of those around us. And so, it is a combination of a curse and a blessing. And so I would like to offer a quick moment of grace over the food that we have gathered here. And bows down his head and says, Hair and whisker, tooth and claw, those who gather by our door, silverfish whose life we take only for a meal to make. And he looks at the little tin of sardines and kind of gulps, but then lifts up his head and says, Amen, my friends, dig in. I would like to just uh, give a little... <laughs> little sniff and see uh, what smells the freshest out of what we've got left. Yeah, roll two overcome with clever. Well, that's a plus five. Oh, Ooh. nice. Yeah, you, especially with your heritage, there is a particular dish that is a specialty of the moles. It is deeper than ever turnip and tater and beetroot pie, just like as many delicious hearty roots as they can fit into the deepest pie shell they possibly can. And you see that this is one of the dishes that you and your other mole friends have managed to scrounge together. It seems that maybe the mists haven't affected what's going on underneath the surface of the soil quite as much. So you're still able to bring in a pretty decent bounty of tubers and root vegetables. Kind of look around and see that although my people obviously are a little more able to thrive under these circumstances, it looks like the others are not with their wilting leaves and their tiny fishes. So I will turn to my good friend, Shrew the Wasteful, and I'll say, Hey now, Shrew, looks like you all don't have much to eat these days. Looks like the mists might be hurting you a bit. 
I'm uh, I'm slumped next to him. I've got my arms crossed and just kind of staring dissatisfied at the food. I don't care about any of this crud. I'm looking for the good stuff. My eyes are kind of darting around and, you know, throwing out some sniffs here and there. What is this? Walnuts? I hate walnuts. And I'm only interested in one thing at the moment, and it's the fact that I am running out of a backlog of Kasumatsu in my system. So, looking for more. Yeah, as you're looking around frantically, you see a large ape hand come in from next to you and grab the walnut. And he's just like, walnuts, peanuts, pineapple smells. <laughs> and you see this big gorilla with a red necktie starting to just toss these nuts in his mouth. Whoa. All right, how proportionate is that gorilla to me? Um, that's one of the interesting things about the Redwall world is a ferret in real life is quite a bit larger than a mouse, but they just kind of are about the same size in the Redwall universe. Okay. So okay. your Donkey Kong friend over here is surprisingly about the same size as you. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of eyeballing him. I'm not too interested in the food or too much of what's going on. I, I'm just, uh, I got a one-track mind right now. And he continues on, grapes, melons, oranges, and coconut shells. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just continues repeating that over and over again. We all got to keep our spirits up somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shrew the Wasteful, go ahead and roll a clever check for me to see if you can uh, maybe catch a whiff of some of your delicious worm cheese. Ooh, that is a positive four. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah, you're you're sniffing, you're sniffing, and you've been watching the cooks bringing in stuff from the kitchens in the back of the Great Hall. They've all been looking a little bit down in the dumps because they haven't been able to bring out as much of a bounty as they usually do. But you give a little whiff and you peer in that direction and you can see there are a few of the chefs in the back who are putting together a charcuterie board that they're planning on bringing out as kind of the final hurrah of the feast. It's not a very impressive spread, but it is some of the nicest cheese that you still have left along with a selection of some of the freshest fruits. Nice. I'm already on my way and I've subtly <laughs> uh, slipped off an apron of one of the waiters and that is around my waist, or at least I am trying to do so. Yeah, roll to overcome with Sneaky to see if you can uh, fleece this apron from the waiter. That's positive two. All right, waiter rolls with Clever. Minus one. Oh, there you go. Victory. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm beelining it. Uh, hey, yeah, we, we got some pretty unhappy campers out there. I'll go ahead and just take what you got ready at the board. Of course they're unhappy. How can one be happy in these circumstances? <laughs> I know, it's horrible. Let me let me distribute the cheese. This is what we all need for this time. Yeah, and the cook, a very, very corpulent dormouse with a little chef's toque on his head. All right, I was hoping to hold on to this for a little bit later, but if you insist... Oh, oh yeah. And then hands over this massive charcuterie board to you. No, 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 now's the time. It's now or never, and uh, halfway between <laughs> oh halfway between the door closing, I want to just start throwing them in there. <laughs> All right. So uh, are you going just for the Kazumatsu specifically? Or oh, yeah, are you yeah, just... yeah, yeah. I don't care about any of that other crud. All right, yeah. So you feel the maggots popping between your teeth with each bite. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't enjoy it. I just need it, okay? <laughs> Control Z on all of this. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you can feel your allomantic, your um, your lactomantic energies swirl <laughs> oh, inside of your body. Lactomantic. Lactomancy, guys. Uh, yep, we're there. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Eat your heart out, Sanderson. You should have done it right the first time. <laughs> Didn't think you could improve on it. Wrong. But we did. <laughs> hey, Ned. Yes. 
how many people are in this room? Uh, I'm going to roll for it. There are 23 people in this room. Your population has gone down a little bit as people have become kind of discouraged by the mists. Some people have decided that they're going to leave and maybe like try and go back to see family who are living further out, make sure they're doing okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a pretty sedate and reduced crowd from what you're used to. Okay. Uh, While this is going on, I would say that Ellis is by one of the windows not really participating in the meal as of yet just sort of like staring out she has a hood on just like gazing out into the night and just takes a deep breath and sigh out and her breath fogs up the window slightly before it goes away revealing the outside and the mist swirling about yeah uh roll just a luck check for me real quick this is just the four dice Mm mm-hmm it's a plus three. A-O-A-O. Not bad, not bad. As you breathe out this mist coming from your own lungs, attempting to connect with the mists outside, you see as you breathe onto the window, it fogs up most of it, but there are patterns that are left unfogged in the surface, creating an image. Mm. And the image that you see is that of a weasel with an eye patch. And underneath it, you can see a massive trove of cheeses. <gasps> and the weasel's arms are reaching around as if to grasp all of the cheese. At that, I just, my right hand, I slowly reach up to the window and sort of like place it on the image and go and the lord shall gather the cheeses unto him and it shall be his downfall (laughs) (laughs) uttering prophecies oh man Yes, you're having this oracular moment and you put your hand up to touch the image and it begins to fade away and you're just kind of staring off into space into the middle distance and you see the far wall of the abbey is kind of off across the grounds and you know that you're staring off in the direction of the front gates of it and you can see a little light appear in the distance in front of you through the mists as if the gates are being opened and then you hear very faintly a slamming as they shut. Um, Is this pretty typical for people to come and go in the abbey once the night has fallen? Not very. You usually have a doorman who you keep at the front to make sure that no unsavory types are getting in. Mm -hmm. And there is someone who has agreed to make sure that they're watching the front door while everybody else is at the feast. So presumably, if the doors opened and then closed back up, it's not an invasion, you hope. Presumably somebody who was let in willingly. Ah, I see. I'll wait. I'm going to scurry on over to Ellis. I'm going to say, hey, Ma, I see we got a lot of uh, a lot of people, not a lot of food. What um, what do you think we can do about this? I look down at Bart and go, well, we'll have to do the best that we can. <laughs> Come, let's see. Uh, make sure that the little ones get the, the food first at the very least. And Shrew doesn't take their portion of the cheese. Yes? Oh, we might be a little late for that. If you look back at the table, you'll see me grumpily slamming the rest of the charcuterie tray down on the table and uh, <laughs> just kind of leaving it there. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, Bart, quickly. <laughs> Double time. Chip, chip. Yeah, you all start heading together to make sure that your friend isn't eating absolutely all of the cheese when you hear the front doors of the abbey burst open and there's a rush of wind and you hear a mighty voice ringing throughout the entire building, 
which you all recognize as the great battle cry of the badgers. <gasps> and you hear footsteps thudding towards the door of the great hall, and it slams open, and you see with mist wreathed around him coming in from the outside, trailing down around his massive paws. You can see that they're dirty and caked with mud. His legs have been cut with briars and thorns along the way. And he holds in his hand one gigantic sword aloft above him, and you see the face of Meles the Wise, the Lord of the Badgers, as he enters in to the Great Hall. As we're walking towards uh, Shrew the Wasteful, I'm going to turn back to Alice and say, Did someone say something? I think we want to pay close attention right now. To who? And um, I just uh, start breathing heavily while I grip Bart's shoulder. Now would probably be a good time to have some of this. And I give him a little chunk of Stilton. <laughs> I pop it in and let it melt on my tongue and start hearing a little better. And you see Lepus the rabbit stands up from his chair and holds up a hand of greeting to Lord Melis the Wise and says, It has been some time since you have graced our halls, my old friend. What brings you here through this terrible mist? And he comes plodding a little further into the great hall, his steps heavy with weariness and the age that he is now beginning to take on. You can see his black fur has begun to be flecked with silver stripes, more accenting the large white stripes already running down his head and his back. And he says, The mists have brought with them a terrible scourge. Tis not only the darkness, tis not only the blight that has come across our lands, but far on the shores, a black ship has approached, and atop it, a pirate the likes of which I've never seen. <gasps> so I am, uh, I'm actually just going to reconvene with um, Bartholomew and Ellis. A look of confusion and a little bit of uh, begrudgment is on my face, and, uh, you know, under my breath say to them, a friend of mine said I should take things a little seriously and uh, come over to you guys for some counsel on what this is about. Do you think he's telling the truth? You hear a slamming of paws on the table next to you, and you see Lord Mellis has come up behind you and says, I shall be taking this seriously. None should be at rest for the time being, so long as Mustel the Stenchful stinks up our shores. You say Mustel? Mustel the Stenchful, the weasel lord of the pirates, the brigand, the blackguard himself. Oh boy. At the mention of Lord of the Pirates, my uh, throat catches, I, I, I can't speak, and I raise my hand to my throat and go, uh, Lord Mellis. Are you sure it's the Lord of the Pirates who's come? And turns towards you, and you can see there is a fresh scar over his right eye. Ooh. And he says, I battled as hard as I could, and I was the only one who made it to these hallowed holes. The rest of my brethren and my sisters fallen along the way. Oh, my family has tales of the stenchful. He's the bane of our existence. A one-man scourge, this pirate lord. I'd like to step in and um, go over to the board and take some Swiss. And as this conversation's happening, I'd like to uh, ingest some Swiss and start soothing some people's emotions. Mm -hmm. I want to soothe away any sort of like exhaustion or any sort of like apathy or fear, particularly for Melis, so that he can speak with vigor. Yeah. 
that, you could see in his eyes the tinging of red, the veins of his eyeballs beginning to overtake his vision with crimson. And you've heard the stories of the terrible blood wrath of the badgers that keeps them fighting long after they should have fallen. And that red begins to fade away, and his breathing gets a little bit more even. And he says to those who are gathered, I bring with me terrible news, my friends. Mustel the Stenchful is seeking to gather up all the cheese in the area for his own benefit. And why is this such a problem aside from just the fact that none of us will have the cheese for ourselves? I saw with my own eyes Mustel melting every type of cheese. And you hear everybody give up a little gasp, and he looks around the room and he says, That's right, Mustel the Stenchful is milk-born. Oh. <laughs> Wow. And that is where we're going to pick up next time. (laughs) Oh my goodness, guys. That was amazing. Title drop. That was amazing. Brandon Sanderson, if you want to uh, purchase this parody IP from us. If if you're just listening at all, thank you. Gosh. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. If you're listening to this right now, holy cow, thank you so much. Thank you, and we're sorry. Good job on the words. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I doubt that you're hurting for money after your $40 million Kickstarter that you just completed. (laughs) But uh, yeah, oh my gosh. If like any of the creators of any of the things that we do actually listened to our shows, I would just be floored. Holy cow. Yeah, I'd plots. I'd straight plots, guys. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks everybody for listening to Improv Tabletop, and we'll be back next week with more adventures in the world of Micebore. (laughs) If you want more, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. Maybe. We would be as happy as a shrew with a tummy full of maggots if you would go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, you can tweet about us or comment on one of our posts using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. Let's do a round of plugs. As always, we've got our sister podcast, I Cast Fireball, which is a D&D 5e actual play. We're currently going through the campaign Tyranny of Dragons, but holy cow, Thomas Brower, our friend who is the DM of that campaign, is bringing in a lot of really awesome homebrew and turning this into a very unique and wonderful campaign that I am loving so, so much. Love to see it. (laughs) I do feel a little bad. I'm like, we're going through Tyranny of Dragons, but not really right now. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a purist, we'll get back to it, I swear. Yeah, we'll kill the Dragon Queen eventually or at least we'll probably not kill the Dragon Queen because she's CR 30, <laughs> but hopefully we'll stop the Dragon Queen from coming back to Faerun. Come to an agreement. <laughs> yeah. If you want to watch us maybe stop the apocalypse of the Forgotten Realms, check that out at iCast Fireball. We also, on this same channel, have an Avatar Legends campaign yes. that is ongoing. Yes. It's not just one of these little one-month made-up adventures. It is going to be going for who knows how long. Christian is part of that, along with Caleb and McKenna. I am loving everything that's going on so far with that. Go check that out as well. Just lots of good stuff happening in the Improv Tabletop family. The other thing that I would like to plug is if you are interested in Redwall and or Mistborn, there are some RPGs that might be right up your alley. 
Uh, the easiest one to suggest is the Mistborn RPG, the officially licensed Brandon Sanderson approved RPG for the Mistborn setting. Thomas, I know that you own that. Yes, yes, yes. It is so much fun, especially if you want to dive into just like the meaty uh, crew aspect of like creating your crew, interacting with each other, keeping secrets and strong character development. It's a totally different tabletop system than 5e or D&D or anything else. So come into it with an open mind and you will have a pleasant time, I promise. And then on the other side of things, if you want a Redwall-themed RPG, you've got plenty of options, actually. If you're already invested in 5e, you can check out Humblewood. Christian and Connor were both in a Humblewood campaign that I was running for a while and had a lot of fun with it. Facts. If you want some more bespoke RPGs, there is Mouse Ritter, a completely woodland creature-themed RPG that is kind of a standalone thing. There's also the Mouse Guard RPG, which is based on the Mouse Guard comic series. There is also Root, which is based on the Root board game. This one is powered by the Apocalypse and also created by Magpie Games, the people who created the Avatar Legends RPG that we're doing on the other side of the channel. So you are not hurting for a selection of RPGs that you can use to play out a similar sort of setting. Or, you know, you could just use Fate Accelerator and make it all up as you go. Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetically. Uh, Connor, you got anything that you'd like to plug? I do. I just first want to say in regards to Mouse Guard, that was the first tabletop RPG I ever played. Really? And it's darling. Yes, it's, it's a lot of fun. That aside, I want to plug a game called Nobody Saves the World. It is an indie title uh, from the studio Drinkbox Studios, which did games like Guacamelee and Mutant Blob Attack. Back in the PlayStation Vita days, those were really big return titles for me. This game is so fun, y'all. If you enjoy uh, Diablo or any isometric action game in any regard, I am having a stupid amount of fun with it. It takes a lot of conventions and kind of flips them on their head, and it, it is very consistently engaging. I'm not going to give a full-on video game review here, but trust me when I say it's fun, it's charming, it's great. Also, Mouse Guard is magnificent. Awesome. And remember, there's always another secret. Okay, that's <laughs> oh boy, I have big shoes to fill as the person who needs to come up with the secrets. <laughs> um, but I'm going to worry about that later, and instead I'm going to ask Christian if there's anything that he'd like to plug. First and foremost, I want to plug Connor, because we have sort of, I would say unofficially, we have our own little book club. Yeah, on Where basically we just text each other suggestions for what we should, we, we do a lot of audiobooks, so what we should listen to next. One of the ones that he suggested to me that I feel like I had to take a bit of a leap of faith on was something called He Who Fights With Monsters yeah. by Shirtaloon. There is a very niche genre of books called Lit RPGs. I, I don't even know that I want to describe it because I feel like I would just drive everybody away. They're bizarre sounding, but they're so fun. Specifically, He Who Fights With Monsters. Connor told me about it. I said, I'll give it a shot. If you think Brandon Sanderson writes quickly, this man is putting out, I want to say, three books a Dark year. Dark book six comes out in two months. And book five came out last month? It's bananas, yeah. He is prolific. The books are pure fun, better than they have any right to be. Yeah. I will say for the audiobooks, the narration is phenomenal. Heath Miller kills it. Heath Miller does such a great job. Not an official sponsor, but if you want to give them a listen, I will highly recommend them to anyone. They're so much fun. Nice. 
And that brings us around to Thomas. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Man, we're just full of unofficial sponsorship tonight. <laughs> I, uh, I I want to plug not only the Root board game, which I played for the first time with Ned uh, at a convention in Utah. It was phenomenal. Yeah, it was. Um, but also, I want to plug the Mistborn board game. Yeah. That was kickstarted, and it was, I believe it's called Mistborn House War. And you don't play as the good guys. <laughs> you play as the bad lords of the city. The nobility and you have class. To try, yeah, the nobility mm. class. And you have to try to convince each other to do these deals and you have these cards. It's 100% interaction with everybody at the table. You cannot be silent in the game. So if uh, you don't like games, like even something like Settlers of Catan, the trading aspect, if you don't like trading and interacting with people, probably not for you. But if you love Mistborn, I just look at my board game shelf and I just smile looking at it because it is such a beautiful game. So check them out. It's by Crafty Games who has created the Mistborn RPG system as well. It's a lot of fun, and I wish any of these people sponsored our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're looking to monetize. Hey, hey, there you go. Give us your money. Yeah, if you want to pay a bunch of upstart weirdos to promote your products, I mean, you've heard the praise that we've heaped upon your intellectual property. We will gladly accept any sponsorship opportunities. We love you. Give us money. Yeah. Oh, man. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here in the world of my Born. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by Connor, the lactose intolerant, Christian, the not afraid of cheese, and Thomas, the prophetic. <laughs> Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Improv Tabletop. Side tangent, last year, 8-2-21, I made a tweet and I quote, I said, the cheese man cometh. And I think that was just in preparation for here and now. Here we are. It, it's all coming together in a beautiful way. The prophecy is fulfilled. Yes. Full circle. <laughs>